Hey, everybody. I'm so excited. I can't stand it. The new commemorative Kate Daly Show coin limited edition is here. It's ready. And you can purchase one. You can help Truth and Radio. 99 bucks. And of course, for value, you've got a real silver coin. And that sits on, in your pocket, which is real nice at $40, $45 value. And it's only supposed to skyrocket. So it's a good investment. It's an investment into silver. It's an investment into Truth and Radio. The coin itself says, be faithful, be fearless, just like we need to be. And modeled after the flowing hair coin. That was the first coin ever minted in the United States, ever. 1794, when we became a country. Let's celebrate history. Let's celebrate truth and radio. And the show needs it. We need your help. We can't go on. It's a very expensive show. We cannot do this without you. We can't grow without you. And so this is a limited edition. Please get one before they're gone. And let me just tell you, this coin is gorgeous. You can go see it at katedallyradio.com. Really easy to order. You just click on the link. It takes you two seconds. But if you can order several of these or order one for yourself and maybe some for friends or family, it's a great way to celebrate what's so important in this country. Truth, education, all the things that we need as a populace. And I love the guests that I have on the show. I love the co-hosts like Chris Ann Hall coming on to educate us. And let me just tell you, this is worth it. This is a way that instead of just listening, you can act by having one of these in your home. It comes in a beautiful case. And on the back, it says, in God we trust, united we stand. Also on the front, it says, the Kate Daly Show, be faithful and be fearless. I hope we always remain faithful and fearless because that's what it's going to take to get through all of this. And I hope that you purchase one of these coins, please, to keep this show on the air. And uh, a big thank you, big heartfelt thank you from me, all the co-hosts. Because this show is not corporate owned. We run from you. We run off of you. And I thank you. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Please go purchase one of these. We've been waiting for this for a long time. And get one before it's gone. Thanks. KateDallyRadio.com. Look for the Hello, I'm Mike Lindell. And I'm coming to you with one of the most important commercials that I've ever done. All of you know what my pillow and myself have gone through in the last eight months in my efforts to bring the truth forward. Well, now you can help in a couple ways. First, get everyone you know to go to my new media platform, frankspeech.com. There you'll find all the footage from my cyber symposium and many other important broadcasts. Also, I am personally doing a new daily live show to get the truth out. It's at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday. Secondly, I'm offering some of the best prices ever on my pillow products, but they're only available on frankspeech.com. Go to frankspeech.com now and use the promo code on your screen or call the 1-800 number below to receive these exclusive my pillow offers. Thank you and God bless. Make sure and put the code word Kate, K-A-T-E. This will get you up to 66% savings at MyPillow.com. The code word Kate, my first name, K-A-T-E. Help support Mike, help support this show, and help support yourself in getting some amazing, amazing products. These are the best ones I've ever owned. Go to MyPillow.com, code word Kate. Link on the top. We tried to be a normal talk show once. Worst two minutes of our lives. The Kate Daly Show starts now. Do you have any people being paid by the CIA who are... 
contributing to a major circulation American journal. We do have people who submit pieces to other to American journals. Do you have any people paid by the CIA who are working for television networks? This, I think, gets into the kind of uh, getting into the details, Mr. Chairman, that I'd like to get into in executive session. Uh, at CBS, uh, we uh, had been contacted by the CIA. As a matter of fact, by the time I became the head of the whole news and public affairs operation in 1954, ships had been established, and I was told about them and asked if I'd carry on with them. Would you say that continues today? Well, I, yeah, I would think probably for a reporter it would continue today, but because of all of the revelations of the period of the 1970s, uh, it seems to me that a reporter's got to be much more circumspect in doing it now, or he runs the risk of uh, at least being looked at with considerable disfavor by the public. I think you've got to be much more careful about it. Hmm, you just got to be on the down low. You just got to be careful if you're... CIA. You know, don't let that flag fly, right? Welcome to the Kate Daly Show. How are you on a fun Friday? <laughs> I don't know how fun it is looking back in history, but we're going to have some, we might blow some minds today. I might blow some minds today. You never know. Uh, today, uh, because of last week, we did Bob Dylan. This week, we're going to do Elvis and the Beatles. And there's so much to be said here. I might have to do two different shows because I have that much information that would prove otherwise that, that, there was something really strange about the Beatles and Elvis, and we'll get to that because it's really not about their music. It's more about, it's more, and I love their music actually, uh, but it's more about who they surround themselves with. And so that's what today's show is going to be about. Now, CIA, DOD, they're all the same, right? They all operate in the same way. It's just got a lot of tentacles and a lot of departments and a lot of tentacles. NSA, DOD, CIA, all the same. Okay. And, uh, and, the CIA starting in 1947 brings us some interesting things, and I'll talk about that in just a moment because things really took off from there. In today's news, so you know you're not missing anything, <laughs> the Chinese Communist Party mouthpiece said on Friday it would shoot down uh, Nancy Pelosi's plane if she makes a stop in Taiwan, a move he said is tantamount to an invasion of the island. Well, China, do what you must. I mean, I don't want to argue with China. And... If China feels strongly about it, I just want them to push forward. Okay, so <laughs> what can I say? So Elvis and the Beatles, part of a controlled push into the sexual revolution, cultural change. There are three things that I think tell the tale on whether to introduce a different perspective on our music history after World War I. Uh, World War II, I'm sorry. Um, when you're looking at specific artists and they might be picked for stardom, Okay, if we're going to go along with this line of thinking, were their family backgrounds sufficient to have been working or had connections with people um, that could change things or lack of background? Suddenly no parents around, suddenly, you know, life of crime, and then they end up doing a deal and, and getting into and getting into doing things for the government they probably would not have. Okay, that's one. Do they have natural talent and the it factor? Somebody to be plucked out of that crowd? Sure. And could they be influenced in exchange for fame and money? Were they willing? So, the uh, Elvis movie came out, 
and it revealed that Colonel Parker, and this was all through court records, by the way, abused and controlled Elvis, took 50% of his money. So the movie was really about, and the focus was, if you realize, the focus was, if you haven't seen it, was all about Tom Parker and the fact that he really wasn't who he said he was. He wasn't even a citizen of the United States, but he was right there during Elvis's entire career, right there, never leaving. Okay. And the fact that Elvis was very controlled, was he his CIA handler? Now that's a direction they don't go in. They just make it look like he's this elusive foreign guy who shows up and wants control over Elvis. And Elvis some, for some reason gives him the control he wants. Why? They never answer it. But they make it look like Colonel Tom Parker was what was acting on his own. Was that the whole story? No. Did they go far enough in exposing the story? No, because that's how diversion works. They tell you a different story that's surprising, because most people didn't know that until the court records came out, and then they make a movie about it, um, how he swindled Elvis. But they don't tell you to go as far as was he controlled from the beginning, his entire career, his entire story. So that's where we're going to go today, how people are infiltrated. And um, I'm fascinated with the 60s, especially after really looking into, um, well, uh, how, how they dealt with things in the canyon in L.A., how they dealt with um, everybody kind of moving there. And there's been a lot of insights we've done on the show about that. Introduced LSD, MK Ultra in these eras. But really, we know it started with the Federal Reserve and the takeover of the presidencies in the early 1900s. And, uh, of course, referring again, Miles Mathis did a great piece on, on this, a couple of pieces. And so it's my own research over the last two years, plus him. So this will be, this will be interesting. In fact, he was writing about the roaring twenties and talking about pushing for sexual freedom. Okay. In the fifties and sixties. And he was alluding to the fact that they passed the 19th amendment in 1920, giving women the right to vote. You can be sure that the men in Congress did not give a flip for equality, <laughs> but they knew the vote was going to be what it was and they could steal it anytime they wanted anyway with voter fraud. So, you know, extending suffrage meant nothing to them. This is what he says. And then also, we also realized that states were already passing it. So the women's rights movement that the feminists hang their hat on was already happening but it is something they can hang the hat on right they can say we did this without this we would be nothing isn't true but that's how it was perceived at the time and so was it a was it a smokescreen I mean were there obviously Gloria Steinem in the 60s that wasn't necessarily to split the sexes the vote was more about and could have been about splitting the sexes have you ever thought about it in that way men versus women okay where up to that point, it was unified fronts for, for partnerships and marriage, right? And then you get to the 20s, and it's, it's the breakdown between men versus women. Then you get to Gloria Steinem, and it's women are angry and need to be in the corporate world, and we need to have two incomes, because that gives us more taxation, more wealth, right, they can take in the country. And then also we can ruin families. And so there's an evolution of of the feminist movement. And now we'll talk about a little bit about that, that evolution kind of going into the music industry and how it worked. So the CIA was formed in 1947, post-World War II. And the intelligence community began its great expansion at the time, moving into media, universities, and everything. No coincidence that they see major manufactured events in the early 1950s. 
because they were just getting going and they did get off to a really great start, didn't they? When I see great, you know, you know, I'm not meaning that. The New York Times, the Rockefeller Foundation, the Ford Foundation, the Carnegie Foundation, all in full swing. So the new agency in 1947, and this is very important to realize because we got the UN and we got, we got the um, advent of the CIA. Why? For world peace forever. So there's never another war after World War II. But that is not why the CIA was founded. Immediately in 1947, they set up a new division called the Propaganda Assets Inventory. You don't hear this floating around very much, do you? The Propaganda Assets Inventory. It influenced more than 800 papers, magazines, and public information organizations. Remember, at the time, that was a lot because there weren't that many. We had three, literally three channels on the TV a decade later. So, I mean, we're talking about, you know, that was a lot of papers. Does the CIA admit to this? Yes. When the U.S. government established the CIA in, in 47, it included this division, and this division was known as a branch of psychological warfare intended get this, intended to boost pro-American messaging during the Cold War. <laughs> I love the reasons that they give themselves to exist. Well, we're here to uh, start a propaganda assets inventory, and we're here to, well, we're here as a boost. <laughs> propaganda is a boost. Yeah, they admit it. I, it's shocking. There was an old joke that, um, like a Wurlitzer jukebox, when the CIA pushed a button, it could hear whatever tune it wanted playing across the world. They had that much control that quickly. So not a conspiracy theory. They admit to all of this. The, um, it also is confirmed by former CIA officials and documents that have been declassified now. The CIA could actively support art. They were reinventing what art looked like, what was good in art. They wanted to control artists. They wanted to control the abstract expressionists. Well, why not the beat generation? Why not? You know, why not? So artists, poets, historians, writers, all of these people, they were about to be or were infiltrated starting in the, in the late 40s, 1950s and run uh, by a CIA agent. It was called the Congress for Cultural Freedom. The Congress for Cultural Freedom. And uh, yeah, so they started promoting modernism. And remember when I did a show about African voodoo and the introduction to rock and roll? And I'm not talking about race, white and black. I'm talking about the kind of music that was involved, the intricate layers of multiple rhythmic drumming they were considered to be a source of occult power, okay? And how do you get that into the hands of people? It was used as a hypnotic tool, this kind of music. And I'm, I know I'm no Quaker talking about, you know, oh my gosh, the, you know, the black music. I'm not talking about that. There was a specific kind of 4-4-B, a specific kind of multiple rhythmic drumming, all of the things that they wanted to get into mainstream. But how do you get that into mainstream? You have Chuck Berry, but... Elvis was so much, had the potential to be so much bigger as a white boy to mainstream America, right? At the time to really get the hooks into rock and roll. And so while Elvis is credited with rock and roll, we all know that it was really Chuck Berry in the very beginning. And, uh, and I want to show you 
the difference in music when we come back. I want to show you something because it kind of talks about the change in music. And by the way, we're working on the live streams, so hopefully we'll have that up and running. But I know people are trying to get onto the live stream right now, and uh, there's there was issue, there were issues today, so we're working on that. Trust me, and we'll get there. Anyway, I'll be right back. Kate Daly Show, katedalyradio.com, and uh, I'll be right back. next to Best Buy and downtown Cedar City next to Lynn's. Nobody beats the mattress store. No. Talk lines are open now. Call 888-673-1450. This is the Kate Daly Show. Welcome back, Kate Daly Show. All right. I love Elvis music, love the Beatles. So uh, it's it's not hard for me to do this show, though, because I know I, the music is sort of separate. I mean, I can listen to the music, enjoy the music, but knowing how controlled it was, I mean, it's tough to take at the same time. doesn't make me love the music less. It just makes me realize my government more. <laughs> Does that make sense? Um, also, get over to uh, MyPillow.com and... You know what? Those slippers, people are getting those slippers and they are loving those slippers. Make sure you get some, especially at such a deal up to 90% off right now. The mattress toppers, you can change a mattress, the sheets, the pillows, everything they sell has the best quality. And I mean that. I'm a betting person. If you know me for years, you know I love betting. And I would I would never talk about the betting like this if I didn't absolutely love it. Go to MyPillow.com and take advantage of their sale, their ginormous sale right now, up to 90% off. Put in the code KATE35, uh, I'm sorry, up to 90% off. <laughs> that was balance of nature. And, of course, code KATE, and you'll love the products. You'll love it. And they're guaranteed. If you don't like them, send them back. Same with balance of nature, too. You don't like it, there's a 30-day on it. You can send it back, but get those. Get these products. They're amazing. Balance of nature is amazing. 31 fruits and vegetables. And the coin, the coin, the collector's coin, please go get one. Support this show. This show needs the support. And I'm telling you, I don't usually ask, but I'm asking, and this is a special fundraiser for the show. It's a collector's item coin. says, be faithful, be fearless, modeled after Lady Liberty. Please go get one. And I will just love you for it. I really will. You've done something. You've acted to help free speech. You have done something. And I, I appreciate you. Keep us on the air doing what we love to do. So, um, oh, go to katedallyradio.com. It's right there at the top of the site. So let me show you three kinds of music, shall I? Let me go back to 1905. Let me show you 1905. Okay, it was Harry Donahoe, um, Sweet Thoughts of Home. Now let me show you uh, 1910. That was 1905. Let me show you. This is five years. Let me show you 1910. This was the most popular song. Let me call you sweetheart. Did you recognize that? Henry Burr. Not a lot of change, right? Not a lot of change in that. I mean, honestly, I'll go back to 1905. That's five years. Sounds the same, right? Same, same kind of music. 
Then we jump all the way to, uh, uh, let's see here, 1947, okay? Now, (laughs) this is a lot of decades later, okay? I mean, I'm sure you're probably expecting a huge change. This is 1947. I just played 1905 and 1910. Here's 1947. I wouldn't, I mean, there's just not a whole ton of change in that. We shifted into big band, but still kind of the same sound. Five years later, it was this. Well, that's all right, mama. That's all right for you. That's all right, mama. Just any way you do that's all right. Hmm, interesting. Okay. That's a pretty big shift um, in that kind of music. So in the last 47 years before That's All Right, 50 years before That's All Right, I mean, the music kind of stayed more or less the same. There wasn't a whole lot of big shifts. Elvis comes along, and this is a very, very big shift. The start of the 50s, I could play other artists too, as you know, but just to kind of give you a glimpse of how music moves, how music takes its place, right? And, and does its thing maybe without control and design, maybe with a little more control and design. Because when you had Elvis's music, not only that, but you had uh, songs like um, Burn in Love and uh, let's see what else, uh, um, uh, The Devil in Disguise and all of these other, Heartbreak Hotel and all of these other, you know, You're the Devil in Disguise, sorry, Jailhouse Rock, Suspicious Minds, Burn in Love, uh, all these, Hound Dog, Shake, Rattle and Roll. Huge difference, right? Huge. So the lyrics are different, different messages. Let me call you sweetheart to that. And it happened fast, extremely fast. So uh, blue suede shoes, right? And uh, lyrics are, it's one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, go cat, go. Don't step on my blue suede shoes, right? You can knock me down, step on my face, slander my name all over the place, do anything you want to do, but uh, honey, lay off of my shoes, right? And that's all right. Uh, That's all right, mama, right? That's all right for you. Just anything you do, that's all right. Uh, Papa done told me, son, that girl you're fooling with, she ain't no good for you, but that's all right. I'm leaving town, I'm leaving town for sure, then uh, you won't be bothered with me hanging around your door, basically leaving my parents, okay? You never saw those kinds of lyrics before this. Was Elvis another cog in this long program, this sort of circus? Because what the new Elvis movie does is it makes you think about the story about Elvis maybe possibly being abused and in a situation he could not leave, would never go international, stuck in Vegas and they blame it on the drugs and they blame it on Parker. But was there more to the story? Because all we ever heard was Elvis helped loosen hips. Right. And so of course, when he came on the scene, kids were like, Oh, you know, (laughs) having this reaction to him and parents were like, we don't want you around that kind of music. I mean, that's kind of, there was a divide. There was a divide going on between kids and parents. You didn't see that before. And so 
How did they become famous? Because that's where you look. That's where you look for the implausible story. That's where you say, wait a second, it doesn't add up. Something's wrong. And if it has more holes than Swiss cheese, you know you have a problem. So who was around Elvis? How did he get famous? Did you know he started performing at the age of eight? They say he won some contests. Because in most of the movies that portray Elvis, it was he was he was so poor. Um, his twin died. He shows up 18, 19 years old at a record store and the record store guy immediately says, you're the one. Now we know that doesn't happen in real life, right? That's just not something that happens. It's not the way the music industry was working at this point. And so he actually started a lot earlier than that. His, his, uh, his agent, Colonel Tom Parker, and now we know that he had this weird past but it doesn't really tell you the whole story. His real name was Andreas Cornelius Van Kujic. Um, I know I'm saying that wrong, but you get the drift. And uh, he uh, lived in Breda and Rotterdam until he was 20, flee- fleeing to the United States to avoid murder charges. We are told he entered the U.S. without a passport. And how he did that is really unclear. Um, you'd basically have to swim over. If you were going to do that, I don't think he did that. He enlisted in the United States Army. How do you join the Army without even having so much as a passport? Huh. Took it, taking the name Tom Parker, and he told the interviewing officer, Tom Parker, that his name was Tom Parker? How does that work? Clearly, we are being fed a story. And they admit, finally, that Parker had been in the United States before. He came over at the age of 17, and he worked at um, Chattaqua. What was Chautauqua? It was like an adult education camp. Started in 1874 by billionaire Lewis Miller, who had invented the combine. Um, A Chautauqua assembly brought entertainment and culture for the whole community. Speakers, teachers, musicians, entertainers, preachers, specialists of the day. You also need to know at that point, too, that the CIA was already getting into, obviously, the arts, artists, and then, obviously, music artists. But heavy in the um, um, education centers where people were going to learn theater and music and, and, and all of these places too. A lot of people don't realize that. Do you know what was going on with these Chattaquas yet? The dissemination of propaganda. Remember, they had already started that propaganda asset thing. They're already pouring money into it and manpower. The musicians, artists, entertainers were the diversions. Speakers, teachers, and specialists were the deliverers of the blue pill. It was like an early TED conference, but with tents. And so the Chattaquas were an early intelligence project along the lines of, um, well, a lot of things, actually. I mean, they were organized. uh, Nothing that we had seen in America until 1947, till really that point, even though we had the OSS, but really concretely see the CIA given no laws, given no um, oversight, They could do whatever they wanted, and they wanted it that way. And so here they are kind of infiltrating into media already. Project Mockingbird got started at this time, too. So to see Parker there, huge red flag. That means he was already being recruited by U.S. intelligence, and they weren't really looking for a passport. They didn't really care, right? And so there's a lot of confirmation that he was Pressler's handler, not his agent, by the percentages. A normal agent takes, you know, like a, a percentage like 20, 20 to 25%. And um, 
uh, Elvis Presley o- only owned 22% of himself, while Parker owned 56%, and he also had unnamed partners owning the other 22%. Presley didn't even own a third of himself. Who walks into that deal? They also admit that due to an ill-advised agreement between Parker and Presley, RCA owned all royalties on songs released prior to 1973. How can that be? Right? Parker and Presley huddle and give, uh, agree to give RCA 100% of royalties? Why would Parker be on board with that? Does that even sound right? No, they were going along with the program. It's also worth noting that Parker wasn't the only financial interest. Uh, Gene and Julian Ackerbach, uh, Ab- Aberbach, two, Austrian, uh, two Austrians, had founded the Hill and Range Music, Music Publishing House and had worked as an instructor at, ding, 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 a military intelligence school in Maryland. <laughs> hmm. Well, that's interesting. Parker was working with them. And uh, Aberbach's cousin, uh, Freddie Beinstock, became the head of Elvis Presley Music in 1955. Think it's a little more contrived than we think? Presley could not record music that was not licensed through Hill and Range. Hill and Range might have been another CIA front, and Augerbach's time in the military intelligence could tend to support that idea. And we're told in 1955, Elvis renewed his contract with agent Bob Neal, but appointed Colonel Parker as a special advisor. Colonel, Colonel Parker never left the presence of Elvis Presley, ever. He was always right there, reaping his cash and giving out his control. And so um, Presley was a complete unknown. And so they were writing up contracts for him. And in 1955, that made no sense. RCA signed him in November and he and reissued his son record recordings before the end of the year in one month. Isn't that kind of quick? How could they have done that that fast back then? Unless they were prepared to do this. I'm going to come right back. I have so much more and on the Beatles as well. So very interesting who they are connected to and what, who those people are is really what the show's about today. How people are infiltrated. Be right back. Kate Daly Show. Balance of nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule. Changing the world one life at a time. I could not get along without my balance of nature, and I want to tell you that because of the change people I know have seen in me since I've been taking balance of nature, they are now taking it. And even my manicurist told me the other day that she's seen such a change in my hands that it made a believer out of her, and she's taking it. I'm 74 years old. I ride my bike 25 to 30 miles a day. I feel great. People tell me I'm looking great. And the only thing I can figure out is it has to be the balance of nature. Experience the balance of nature difference for yourself. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 1-800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code KATE. 1450. This is the Kate Daly show. Walk like an angel. Talk like an angel. But I got Maybe he was 
was singing about Parker. <laughs> you never know. Welcome back, Kate Daly Show. And uh, Balance of Nature, love you guys. In fact, uh, where else are you going to get 31 fruits and vegetables a day? Take this supplement. It's got a 30-day money-back guarantee on it. So you have nothing to lose and really your health to gain. So make sure that you're taking it every single day. Try it out. See how it works for you. And you'll know in about a week and a half um, how you feel. And judge that. Say, you know, this is how I'm going to judge uh, Balance of Nature. I'm going to see how I feel after taking it for about a week and a half, two weeks. And you'll know. And uh, it's wonderful. Balanceofnature.com, code word Kate. And you get 35% off and free shipping. Uh, you also get a free health coach with that as well. And make sure you get over to get the commemorative coin, the Kate Daly Show coin. Please support this show in that fundraiser because we need it. And I'm so appreciative. It's a beautiful coin. You're going to love it. It's going to be a good reminder of what our country used to be and also um, what we can do to get it back and be faithful and be fearless. That constant reminder. But it is beautiful coin. And it puts some money in your pocket. It's silver. What can I say? You want to invest in metals, right? Okay, here's your chance. And to help the show. Okay, let's get back to um, Elvis. So he gets with Parker and in three months where Parker was really kind of a glorified goon for the circuses, right? That's the, that's the story that was told anyway. Signed with RCA for an unprecedented $40,000. He was only 20 years old. He'd only been performing for one year and had failed at both the Grand Ole Opry and CBS. Arthur Godfrey's talent scouts at CBS had failed him in his audition. But before he was even known contracts of unprecedented amounts were already set up for him. <clears throat> hmm. Okay. Yeah, that didn't make sense in 1955. And, uh, and so, uh, so Parker, so Sam Phillips too, kind of has a backstory as well. And there's a lot of questions about Sam Phillips. Was he there to deliver up the food chain um, to you know, the music industry, which had been taken over, which had been totally infiltrated at this point so that they could control acts like an Elvis act because they didn't want anything to get out of control or bring people into a different, they don't want somebody to get too famous and not be able to control what they're saying and doing. This is why all the stars are extremely liberal, extremely liberal. They're very controlled on what they talk about and they talk about it every five minutes. Have you noticed? That's another show, though. Okay, so um, so he was, uh, in 1956, his first album was in stores. And uh, that was pretty fast. And that's three months after he signed with RCA. And he was in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in April. <laughs> yeah. He, by April, he had signed a seven-year contract with Paramount Pictures. They didn't even screen test him. And um, it's kind of interesting because had they met him? Because he was bombing in Las Vegas at the time with audiences and critics. Why were they rushing to get him on film? And so maybe he already had met the um, Paramount Pictures head Adolf Zucker. <laughs> um, so, and lo, they were apparently in on the Elvis project since Elvis started performing. So his first major TV appearance was on the Milton Berle show, show and Presley was uh, within 10 days of the release of his first album, 10 days. And there's a lot of stories about Burl sort of being on the take too. A lot of stars 
And Presley uh, was hired in 1933, hired by producer Jack White to star in all these theatrical, different kinds of things, uh, musical comedy, all kinds of things. Very, very, uh, very interesting. So educational pictures was also another uh another distribution of these things too uh surely little surely you know a member of the educational film um, exchanges they talk about this as being a cia front as well in the oss days they wanted to to control a little bit more of the messaging and that certainly did that and did some through comedy or short subjects. It was it was like primary. It was like education, primarily distri- distributed through all of these kinds of things. So when you get into, um, we're told. Well, let me put it this way. In in 1953, Elvis was a guy just trying to get by. Right, graduated high school. This is what we're told. Became a machinist, and that summer was discovered by Sun Records. Elvis showed up in. Um, and did my happiness as a birthday present for his mama. And he voiced, you know, that he'd like to sing professionally, but he was really shy and not really a good performer. And so, um, so they, they did this sort of transition and all of a sudden Sun Records owner, Sam Phillips considers Elvis one of the most introverted people is also touting him and kind of passing him along because then he ends up with Parker, right? And it looks like Parker poaches him, but that's not, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. See, Sun Records wasn't open to the public in late 1953. So the story that he walked in and recorded this thing, it wasn't open to the public. Phillips had opened Memphis Recording Service almost four years earlier. and By late 1953, he was working with dozens of name acts. You just didn't walk in off the street and pay for studio time in hopes that you'd get discovered. So the story is told by Elvis chose Sun Records. It was actually in the reverse. Sun Records chose Elvis. They chose Elvis. So huge red flag. And also, um, uh, Phillips Records, well, Phillips Records has kind of a curious past. And also a guy named Phillips is also the first DJ that ever played his record on the air too. Kind of interesting. So B.B. King, let's introduce B.B. King. There is a Beatles song that talks about B.B. King. And it says, like a rolling stone, like a rolling stone, like a rolling stone, like the FBI and the CIA and the BBC, B.B. King. (laughs) Okay. Why does he mention B.B. King in that line of FBI and CIA? Well, there's a lot of chatter that B.B. King first ran into Elvis in Memphis and the King tells us he knew Elvis before he became famous. Now that's a red flag. A lot of people aren't going to catch it. Like Elvis, King was discovered by Sam Phillips as well. B.B. King, uh, you know, at the time wasn't the greatest guitarist, but uh, over the years in history, we refer to him as such good music i guess and and uh but was he also a cia asset as well keeping an eye on elvis and phillips was born in 1923 which made him 18 in 1941 why wasn't he drafted the owner of sun records he wasn't in school wasn't married he just skips right over all of it that's interesting 
Elvis's first hit was That's All Right, and it only became popular when DJ Dewey Phillips, another Phillips, played it nonstop on his radio program. So, um, B.B. King is interesting. That's an interesting character in all of this because he doesn't look like the typical CIA asset, but many of these musicians were. Little Richard, they think, was also one, too. Very controlled. Sometimes not really working for them as much as maybe giving them some information, but also doing what they want them to do, too. The decades-long revolution was supposed to break up the family, split the sexes even further, splinter religions, destabilize culture, get kids and parents not on the same page with music, get, you know, get them far away from each other in music. You did not see that in the 1910s and the 20s and the 30s. You didn't see that as much, right? And so um, in a 1957 interview for Dig Magazine, Elvis confessed this. He said, I never wrote a song in my life. This is 1957. I've never even had an idea for a song. And in that same interview, he would also say, despite walking around with a guitar and strumming it during concert, he couldn't actually play it. To him, it was simply a brace, not to mention a good looking prop that made him look more competent and musical than he really was. Wow, a 1957 interview. And uh, the reason Presley has any songwriting credits at all is because um, of Colonel Tom Parker, Presley had a special arrangement with the music publishers, but when he wanted to record a song by an outsider, Parker would demand a third of the songwriter royalties for his client. He would get a piece of the action. And Colonel Tom Parker made sure of that because Colonel Tom Parker got part of the action too. So, yeah. And so people might have thought that he was writing some of this stuff. He wasn't. And, uh, and of course, taking 50% was unheard of. And nobody would have put up with that. But Colonel Parker stayed right there by his side the entire time. So, the, was the military stint that Elvis did to improve relations with parents, make him more redeemable, make him more clean cut, you know, wasn't doing the gyrating because some of the stations had a problem with that. We're talking about a huge culture shock for a lot of people to go from those 50 years all of a sudden to somebody shaking his hips on screen. It was a big deal. But was it to get the parents to slowly soften, like him? He's clean cut. He's doing movies, right? He's adorable in the movies. Remember that before Elvis, it was big bands and couples dancing. And then came the gyration dancing, right? So rock and roll music contracts, or most of them at the time, were working with the new CIA, either infiltrated or headed by and no one was going to get a music contract unless it was approved. The CIA was never about foreign relations. It was always about changing culture. Why, how do we know that? It was the first thing they were rushing to do. And so they had no oversight, no rules, no laws. They could get away with anything they wanted to get away with. So in, in the OSS days in 1947, we had the socialism creep, but their first big mission was that propaganda assets to infiltrate the arts. <laughs> they knew what they were doing. Let's put it that way. And then we get into Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, okay? And we get into the Beatles and we get into the John Lennon story and how they came into fame is a really strange story. And when I say strange, what I mean is there's lots of versions of it. 
Nobody could ever get their versions straight. How can you have that many versions of what went down? I don't think you can. But in this case of the Beatles, it was um, definitely controlled. And you see that in the the later Beatles music as well. And not so much in the beginning. In the beginning, they were willing to kind of do whatever they could, right? And to be famous. But it is kind of interesting how they were picked. The Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band album cover is so very telling. Everybody thinks it's the one where Paul is in white and they're walking across the street. What's the, I can't remember the name of the album cover. No, the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band cover is, it's beyond because uh, it's very strange. In fact, I'll give you kind of a clue before we go into the next hour. What are the words, the first words to Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band? Well, it was 20 years ago today, Sgt. Pepper taught the band to play. This song came out in 67, and 47, 20 years earlier, was the advent of the CIA. Sgt. Pepper was a real person. Well, it was 20 years ago today, Sgt. Pepper taught the band to play. They've been going in and out of style, but they're guaranteed to raise a smile. So let me introduce to you the act you've known for all these years, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. We hope you enjoy the show. Hmm. You're a lovely audience. We'd like to take you home with us. We'd like to take you home. I don't really want to stop the show, but I thought you might like to know. Oh, boy. All right, so it was 20 years ago today, Sergeant Pepper taught the band to play. All right, when I come back, I want to talk about, the, I want to talk about this, and uh, I also, there's just so much more to this story, and I'm going to kind of flip maybe a little bit back and forth, but what were the Beatles? Who was Major John Pepper? And I think this might, I think this might blow some minds too, because I know the Elvis stuff is hard to listen to this part of it, but because the people were linked so heavily into the, around him and controlling him into, um, um, military intelligence, it sort of reeks as a project. People don't just ever get famous that quick, that fast and roll it out and get these unprecedented contracts. There's always, there's usually going to be a reason. And think about it in this way too, before we go to break. Why is it so marketed? Why is it so packaged? You know, why can't music groups just do their thing? And if people like them, they listen to them. Why the overall packaging from the studios? Just ask yourself that. I'll be right back on the Kate Daly Show. Don't go anywhere. Hey, everybody, Kate here. You know, I had Dr. Zelenko on the show a couple of times. He's the one that gave ivermectin to President Trump. Make sure that you go to his website, and it's right at the bottom of my homepage. So please find the Zelenko Z-Stack. He's got two products now. One is the the product we're always talking about with four major ingredients that you need right now to build your immune system. The other one is a detox that's brand new, and I would take advantage of getting that as well. We all need to detox. Uh, 
Dr. Zelenko's website is fantastic. They'll kick the products out quick. Take advantage of this right now while supply chains are still in motion and uh, get as much of that as you possibly can. He's a fantastic doctor that just calls it like it is. That's what I love about him. So go to that on the bottom of my homepage. Look for the wonderful sponsors and find Dr. Zelenko Z-Stack. Thanks, guys. Thank you.